This is Issues 2023. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Director of Comcare Sedgwick County, Joan Tammany. Welcome to Issues 2023. Thanks, Steve. Pleasure to be here. We've done this two times before? Yes. Okay. Well, let's do a little review this morning. What is Comcare's mission? What is it that you do? So Comcare is the um, behavioral health clinic here in Sedgwick County that serves the safety net. So folks that are under and uninsured or anybody that's seeking mental health and substance use services for specialty care. And uh, can you give us a little history, brief history of Comcare? When and how did it get started? Yeah, we've been around since um, 1962. Um, We started out as a small outpatient clinic with one or two therapists. Um, In the 1980s, mental health reform occurred and they made a decision that people didn't deserve to live in state hospitals for the rest of their lives. So people were distributed back to the communities with community-based services. So that was kind of the launch of case management and wraparound supports that we specialize in. Um, And then we've continued to grow to meet the needs in the community. And just recently, we became a certified community behavioral health clinic, which is, um, in essence, nationally known as a center of excellence, which broadens the scope of services and increases the number of evidence-based programs that we deliver. Sounds like it might be, from what I've heard in the last couple of few months, very much necessary to have that. (laughs) Yes, yes. It's an unending need, that's for sure. How many employees do you have? Um, we have about 450 employees, but I have um, a lot more than that. I just don't have all our positions filled. Whoa, really? Yeah. That's a that's a pretty big outfit. I didn't know you was that big. Yeah, we're pretty large. But again, a large percentage of what we do are community-based services. So we have case managers and providers out in the field helping people navigate and live with their mental illness in their natural environments. Mm. Now, how long have you been in your present position with Comcare? I've been in my present position for six years, but I've been with Comcare since 1999. Whoa. All right. How is Comcare funded? Comcare is funded through a multitude of different funding sources. We receive um, revenue for delivering services for Medicaid recipients or Medicare or commercial insurance. Um, we're also, we also get funding from the state of Kansas for treating the under and uninsured Um, We have um, multiple grants from the federal government to enhance our service lines, um, and and then we um, have a variety of other small grants. Now, uh, the budget situation going on at the county, it's going to be improved uh, next month. Uh, Are you requesting increased funding in the county budget this year? Well, you know, we're we're kind of a unique department within the Sedgwick County system because um, Comcare is a revenue-generating service So our general fund is very small compared to our total overall budget. So we're less than 10% of our budget is general fund. So this year, we're not asking for an increased funding for our general fund, which funds about 52 positions. But we are going to try to utilize some of our earnings from Medicaid to continue to increase salaries and work on wellness and retention and recruitment of staff. That's what I was going to say. What's the driving need for additional funding? What? What do you need the money for? Yeah, we yeah. we need to we need to make sure that we pay our staff adequately. Um, the work we do is complex. They deserve to be paid for that. Um, we have to make sure because the work is complex that we um, continue to look out for the emotional and physical well-being of our workforce. So having wellness initiatives um, and then continuous learning is just really critical in our field. So giving our staff opportunity to take a breather and go to training or we provide training or to deliver training or to do something diverse in their day 
that's where our additional funding will go. And now we've touched on uh, another issue that uh, uh, I've been hearing about for quite a while now. Uh, in fact, I did another interview today where it was mentioned, and that is uh, hiring and retaining people. Yeah. It's a big challenge for just about everybody. Yeah. Why are you seeing it on your end? Well, you know, uh, we're, we're a little bit more complex than the general population who's hiring because most of our staff are specialty trained, um, which means they have a, lo- a lot of them have advanced degrees. Some of them have master's degrees, which requires an additional two years of schooling and, and then placement and training. Um, so for us, our highest um, level of need is in that master's level clinician. Uh, position because they're just in such high demand in the community. Well, I was going to say that there are not that many running around. No, <laughs> you, the only there are only so many graduates every year. Yeah. So, what's a, so? What is the single biggest challenge uh, uh, on on Concare's Comcare's plate right now? Yeah, I think it's it's workforce. Um, it's workforce. It's making sure we continue to actively recruit staff, but even more so retaining the staff that we already have. Um, you know, when you're down resources, it puts a heavier burden on those that are left to do the work. And consequently, there's very little opportunity for breathers during the day. So burnout occurs a little bit more quickly. Um, so for us, it's always everything is driven by workforce. We're people services, so we need people to do the work. Well, it sounds like the work you do is, is not you're in a building. I'm sure you've got an office or a building, but mostly you're just out. Your people are out there. Yeah, we're we're, you're, multi- you're we're involved. Well, we're involved. Um, um, we're we're out in the community. We're off. We do office based staff too. We also do hybrid um, telehealth um, when necessary. Um, what we have mobile crisis units that are out on the street and respond to um, crisis calls in the community. So we we are out and about. We're visible and we're present in our community. How much of your work is uh, with homeless people? Oh, you know when we run the data, it's maybe two, three, up, sometimes up to 10%, but it's not a large percentage of what we do because we help people secure housing as part of our role as um, providing that wraparound support is um, helping our folks that want housing find housing. So it's not a large percentage. There's an overlap, um, but it's not as significant as everybody would assume. So what, what, and again, what purposes exactly do you offer the homeless? Well, we have... Um, we, we, if, if they enter services, they have access to a whole realm of services from medication management to therapy to case management. But we also have some specialty outreach services targeted with our HUD funding for homeless outreach. So um, we check in on the shelters and if there's somebody that has a mental health issue that's interested in services, um, we try to engage them and get them um, pulled into services so we could wrap around that support. You take all of the the people, the, all the things that you do, uh, Joan, and and all the people that you touch with Comcare. Do you have any idea how many people actually you you would touch with Comcare in a, in a year's time? Oh, we we serve between thirteen and sixteen thousand people a year, and that could be a one time crisis activity, or it could be somebody who receives services multiple times a day. Are you limited to Wichita, Sedgwick County? Then? We're Sedgwick County. Sedgwick County. That's our catchment area, yes. Okay. And uh, your clients? Oh, let me clarify that. Let me clarify that, Steve, though. We are um, a regional crisis service provider. So, like, um, we have contracts with, like, Sumner County. If somebody needs um, to be admitted to our crisis unit, we'll admit them there. 
who are your clients and how do they find you or do you find them? <laughs> yeah, well, our client is, it could be anybody. It could be you. It could be me. It could be our aunt. It could be our uncle. It could be somebody who is getting released from the jail and has mental health issues. It could be somebody who has recently been admitted to the hospital and is discharging because they have emotional health issues. It could be somebody who's just really struggling and called our crisis line. Um, but again, we're also a specialty healthcare services. So for example, for youth or adults with severe and persistent mental health issues, um, we provide an array of wraparound supports that community service providers don't deliver or offer. Um, and so um, we get referrals from a lot of community providers and businesses and employers it, anywhere. You, you've used, used this term several times, but I, I apologize because I'm not really familiar with when you say wrap around. What, yeah. what does that mean? When, when I say wrap around, I'm talking about the fact that we look at the whole person when we when we look at treatment planning. So if they need, for example, help navigating their physical health issues, we could wrap case management around them to help them navigate that. Or if they um, have needs to get food because they have food insecurity or housing insecurity or um, educational needs, um, we provide that through case management, which is not a typical service for many community providers. Um, so we, we wrap around whatever it is that if, if they need help learning how to do a job with their mental health issue and they're eligible, we have a supported employment program. We have a supported education program. Um, so we try to um, wrap people supports around them so they have a team to help them navigate the world with their mental health symptoms and, and issues. Now, tell, can we talk, you brushed, brushed on this a minute ago, but tell, tell, tell me a little about your staff. Uh, psychiatrists, psychologists, social workers? All, all of the above. So, <laughs> so we have a medical staff comprised of social workers, nurses, and advanced practitioners. Um, that's a pretty large and robust team. Um, um, we also um, are blessed because we have child psychiatrists, which are like a rare commodity in the state of Kansas and nationally. Um, we have a huge children's services. Um, so in children's services, we have therapy, we do intake, we do case management, um, we do parent support. Um, same on the adult side, we have case management, we have therapy, we have group activities, we have community integration, which tries to teach like basic life skills like cooking and housekeeping and you know things that people with severe and persistent mental illnesses may not have the capacity to do without a lot of support. So um, we have large infrastructure for technology and billing and um, things like that. So we have a large, our case managers have equivalent to a bachelor's degree or life experience to supplement that. Our clinicians have to have a master's degree with some practical experience. And then of course you go up from there with nursing and advanced practitioners and our psychiatrists. You're listening to Issues 2023 on the Odyssey radio stations that our guest is Executive Director of Comcare Sedgwick County, Joan Tammany. So what is the status on efforts to get more mental health care facilities in South Central Kansas? Well, it, we need some beds. It depends on what level of care you're talking about. So, you know, um, Comcare is a community-based service provider organization. So our efforts are going to continue to be to grow our workforce so that we could serve more and make sure that waiting lists are short um, and people get services at the right time and at the right place. Um, but I think you're talking about the state hospital that's locally coming um, is there's a partnership between Sedgwick County 
and the state of Kansas, the Department of Aging and Disability Services to um, locate and build a state facility here in Sedgwick County because our folks in Wichita go to Osawatomie State Hospital when they have a need for a state hospital bed. And let me clarify what that is. A state hospital bed is typically for somebody who is a danger to self or others and an involuntary commitment. This is not somebody that would drive up and seek that level of care like we would in a crisis program or at a hospital emergency department. This is, they have to be screened to meet that level of care and then they get admitted when when there's a bed available. So in the meantime, they may be staying in one of our community hospital emergency departments. Um, but the state hospital is what we're talking about that's being um, explored here in Sedgwick County. And um, I believe right now they're working on um, obtaining an architectural firm to design the facility and then there'll be land acquisition and a build. And once it's built, it would be turned over to the state because it's a state mandated um, um, service. It's not a community-based service. So Comcare is not going to have a, a, a wing of this new thing or, no. or an officer, no. but well, you will be working with them. We do work with them. We work closely with the two state hospitals now. We have liaisons that go and work with our Sedgwick County residents who are in the hospital to assure that um, we have good discharge planning and connections when they come out. Um, but locally, it'll be nice because we won't have to drive to Osawatomie multiple times a week. Um, and if there's family in town, they can visit their loved one who may be um, at the state hospital for a period of time. I think the other piece that's important to reference is the other half of that facility, the, the original 50 beds, isn't the original 25 of those 50 beds are intended to be for competency assessments and competency restoration. So people who are sitting in jails um, awaiting competency evaluations to stand trial or they're deemed incompetent and need it to be restored to competency to participate in their defense. How common is that in, in, in trials? Oh, uh, it's, you know, it, it, in, in Sedgwick County, it's there's quite a few. I mean, you know, anytime somebody's charged with capital murder, there's going to be a competency hearing. That's just a reality. Now, ComCare currently does competency evaluations for the courts, um, so we'll continue to do so, um, but we're not currently doing restoration. But, uh, you know, we, we get quite a few competency evaluations every month. Hmm. ComCare, in my opinion, maybe this is just an opinion, but ComCare seems to be a leader in suicide prevention. Yes. How big a problem is suicide in Sedgwick County? Well, sadly, it's 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 too significant, you know, and we're reminded of that from the news article from the night before last when somebody um, jumped off the bridge on Kellogg. You know, it's it's um, suicide is a, an impulsive decision in the moment. Um, um, it happens pretty regularly. Um, we have over 100 suicides every year here in Sedgwick County, um, which is tragic. Um, you know, I... I hope that the word around using 988 is expanding and that people in crisis call in their time of need um, rather than resort to the effort to take their own life because it's tragic for them and it's tragic for anybody around them. What, what are the demographics on suicide? Who, who, who's doing this? Uh, well, it's, a, it's across the board. It's, in, it's increasing with youth, um, but the highest demographic is typically males between the age of um, 20 and 34. Um, and um, then the next demographic is those over the age of 35 for males. Um, most suicides in Sedgwick County are a result of um, a, a gunshot wound. Um, um, 
but we're, we we have lots of lots of different causes. I mean, or means of of suicide. But it's it's we we particularly look for males who have had a history of suicidal ideation because their risk is higher. So are people using that suicide prevention hotline? Yeah, we have. We've seen oh. an increase in our numbers every month. Um, is is it as robust as we thought it would be? No, but I think the reason nine eight eight isn't as robust locally is we still have our community crisis center local lump number that people call. So it, they're not limited to calling 988. 988, but uh, okay. That's, but that's the one you advise right now. If I, some, if somebody were, I think it's easier for people to remember 988. Yeah, 988. And, I, and yeah. I think the important thing for people to know is that if people have an area code 316 phone number, that call is going to be directed to the, our community crisis center. So they're getting a local response. What services do you offer to children and teens specifically? Yeah, well, we have um, we our children's services is probably our largest service program. Um, we offer community-based services that we've talked about: um, therapy, case management, medication management services. But we have uh, also a robust school-based program. So we're in close to forty schools in the Cedric County area. Um, we have a large presence in. Um, the Wichita Public Schools, we have presence in Valley Center Schools and Mays in a formalized manner um, where we are actually housed in those facilities, but we access all the schools to see kids because it's better to see them in their normal um, natural setting than to disrupt their family and have to bring them in for an appointment. What, what impact do mental health mental and, and or drug abuse issue, issues, what impact does it have on a family? Is it just tear it apart or oh it's profound and yeah. it's it's it it you know and it really depends on what the coping skills and the knowledge are of that family um and you know um what their history may be with mental health and substance abuse you know i think families um are an underrepresented piece of the picture when it comes to mental health issues because they're caretakers for many 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 years when a family member or a loved one has a substance abuse issue or a mental health issue, um, and it's important for them to recognize they need support as well. Um, on our children's side, we offer parent support services. Um, on our adult side, we really encourage family members to get involved with the National Alliance for Mental Illness, NAMI, locally, to have that support of other families who are struggling with similar issues. But the impact is profound. I don't care if it's a one-time crisis um, because that's a traumatic event for a family member and a, a horrible day, um, or if it's somebody dealing with chronic mental health issues in their loved ones. Let's say if somebody's got a, they, they're having some problems, mental health problems. I, I know that there are a lot of people who just are not going to admit it and are not going to ask for any help. I know. Uh, how do you, how do you get past that, or do you? Is it always going to be there? Well, I'm. I, it's breaking down. You know, mental health is more um, recognizable as a physical health condition today than it was three years ago when you and I had our first conversation. Um, but where we're struggling still is with these minority populations, where there's a lot of stigma around asking for help or acknowledging that you have a problem. So we just need to continue to do outreach. These types of conversations are really meaningful um, because it may hear one person may hear it and recognize there's there's no shame in seeking help. I mean, it's not a weakness to have a mental health issue. It's a it, it's a brain disorder, and it may be a one time brain disorder um, issue. It may be long term, but um, we just need to continue to talk about it, to normalize it, to make sure people know that there are services out there. 
and people who care and want them to have a better quality of life. Just uh, the attitude. I'm, I'm listening to you. I'm talking, you were talking about suicide in adult males. And uh, I can see where you, know, you got to be tough. Yeah. Oh, guys, you got to be tough. I can handle this. And that's, that's and the stigma. And they don't stigma. reach out and, and they don't get help. And that's the stigma we all have to overcome. And I think, you know, for us, one of the greatest ways to impact community understanding around mental health issues is for people to get involved and take mental health first aid. It's, it's kind of like first aid for mental health. It teaches people to be recognized signs and symptoms of mental illness in, in community members or loved ones. And it teaches people what to do in the event you experience that. Um, so it may not be the person who is experiencing that struggle, um, but it may be a loved one that might be able to talk them into seeking help. And that's why we're increasing our mobile crisis response because sometimes people won't want to, I mean, crises don't happen in a building. So, I mean, to assume that everybody's going to want to go to a crisis center is kind of unrealistic, isn't it? Um, so for us, if a family member has somebody who's struggling and they call and ask for help, maybe we can help intervene in that community setting and try to compel them, um, to seek help at that point. If not, we plant seeds for a future interaction. Does Compare use volunteers? We, we, ha- we have the opportunity to use volunteers, but we're not. Um, and a lot kind of, of that, work that you've got to have specialized. Yeah. And we don't have the time. Um, we have, you know, we have short, we work for shortages, so we don't have the luxury of that training program, but COVID really changed people's response to getting out there and volunteering too. So I, I, you know, we're, we're, we're focused on expanding our crisis center and building a new crisis center over the next couple of years. And I anticipate at that point that we will seek some volunteers to come in and, and engage in some activities with our patients so that their days aren't so lonely and long. What's the best thing about your job? Uh, I think for me, you know, the the trust that people put in us to walk the journey with them. I mean, like you mentioned earlier, Steve, it's it, most people don't want to acknowledge they have a problem because they think they should be able to handle it on their own. And when people do take that step and actually seek out care and trust us, with their emotional well-being, it's it's that privilege of leading an organization that does that work. So, do you ever get a little down, depressed with the, the people you're working with? You're I, working with the people with big problems. Yeah, you know, it's hard work. You know, because we have a lot of high uh, high need patients. These are patients that other people in the community don't want to serve. And sometimes there's, I think, the hardest piece for me is um, sometimes when somebody's in a psychotic state or they've used a substance their impulse control disappears and they become aggressive. And aggression towards staff is just really, really difficult because we've got to debrief and make sure they're okay. But that has a trauma response on our team. So for me, the biggest struggle is how do we provide the necessary services, keep staff safe, and make sure that people in our community get what they need at the time they need it. When you were little, did you envision that you'd be doing this kind of work? No, never. (laughs) I didn't even, you know, I, I, like everybody else, didn't even recognize that community behavioral health existed. And I, I, if I could put a plug out there, this is really important work. We work with people with a lot of need. And it is, while difficult, some of the most rewarding work anybody could do. And, you know, I know... Um, it takes a skill set and, and a desire to really kind of um, fly by the seat of your pants on many days. 
Um, but I would encourage people to seek out opportunities to learn from us. Well, listen, uh, we're out of time. Our guest, Executive Director of Comcare, Sedgwick County, Joan Tammany. That's all for this edition of Issues 2023. I'm Steve McIntosh.